Hi everyone, Paula here. I'm jumping on to the beginning of the podcast just to give you a quick trigger warning. The book we are about to discuss, Too Much Lip by Melissa Lukashenko, does describe scenes of both physical and sexual abuse. So if that is something you would rather skip, then we invite you to skip to about the 30 minute mark um, to avoid those topics. Thanks. Here's the show. Welcome to Literary Anything, our Marion Libraries podcast where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Jane. I'm Paula. Hello, Paula. How Hello. are you? I'm well. How are you yeah, going? Good. Excited good. to talk about this book. Yes. There is lots to talk about in this book. Yeah. So let's hope we do it justice. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. Yeah. So our book for this month was Too Much Lip by Melissa Lukashenko. Now, this book has won so many awards yes it's won it was the miles franklin winner last year it won it was the stella shortlist victoria premier's literary award shortlist new south wales premier literary award that was shortlisted for that as well uh winner of the queensland literary award and was shortlisted for prime minister's literary award heaps Heaps, of awards yeah, yeah. Um, but the biggie is obviously the Miles Franklin winner for 2019 right and we were so concerned that we do justice to this book that yeah. what um what Jane suggested and I think is a good idea is she's got an outline of the plot yes and we thought we would um, share that with you first um, so you get a good idea of um yeah of the plot yeah. before we start to dig in and talk about some of the themes Yes. So this um, um, overview comes from the University of Queensland Press, which is the publisher of Too Much Lip, um, published in 2018. Um, and so this is what they have written about it. In 1943, 14-year-old Owen Addison knew boxing was the only means of protection available for himself and his Aboriginal family in the era of forced assimilation. What happened to him next determined the course for not only his life, but also that of his descendants. Decades later, Owen's granddaughter, Kerry Salter, is angry with the world. Her girlfriend, Ali, who's been nabbed for an ill-conceived armed robbery, has recently broken up with her. Pop Owen is dying, so she has to head home to a small town, Durango, to say her goodbyes. And her mother, Pretty Mary, has been mourning the disappearance of Kerry's sister, Donna, for almost 20 years. Pretty Mary lives with, the, with her freeloading eldest son, Ken, and troubled nephew, Donnie. Kerry's brother, Black Superman, has developed a successful government career in Sydney and with his partner Josh has taken in two at-risk children of relatives. Deceased elder Granny Ruth and her mother Granny Ava, wife, dad, wife to granddad Chinky Joe, are revered and Uncle Richard is now the wise elder of the family. Aunts and neighbours also play their parts in this fast-moving drama. Not long after Kerry's return, a backpack containing the spoils from Ali's last job is stolen by shady local mayor Jim Buckley. She feels trapped by the weight of her family's expectations, especially her mother's, and is extremely wary of Ken's short fuse. Meanwhile, ambition, ambitious Southern realtor Martina Rossi has been asked to manage Buckley's real estate agency in Patterson, the nearest town to Durango, for two months, in exchange for a shot at her own agency in Sydney. Her task is to help Buckley shift some properties, making way for a prison development on the riverbank of the Salter family, family's traditional lands, 
threatening Granny Ava's Island. Kerry overhears the mayor's plans and the Salters begin a protest while Kerry seeks others, seeks other less conventional ways to take her revenge. Scarred by a lifetime of racism, Kerry has contempt for most white people or white normal savages and has never contemplated dating one until she meets the handsome gym owner, Steve Abarco. Steve might just give Kerry reason to stay in town after a particularly bad falling out with Pretty Mary and Ken. But when Ken, Kerry accidentally discovers that Martina is her long-lost sister Donna, she isn't sure how to break the news to the family. Pretty Mary's birthday is upon them, but will this news ruin yet another birthday for her? And will the Salters be able to stop the sale of their precious homeland? Wow, that is a really yeah. comprehensive outline. I don't know if I would have done better or worse um, yeah. if I had read that this is a really, this is such a fast paced book with so many um, parallel storylines and themes that I, yeah, like we said, struggled to make it, uh, put it in a succinct um, few paragraphs like this. So. That's right. Um, what did you think, because we read the little blurb, oh, we didn't do that this time, I guess, because we've read that longer one, but the blurb on the back of the book mm-hmm. I really felt like um, it kind of gave me this idea of this zany, wacky, yeah. hilarious, um, you know, rom- no, romp's not the right word, but we, we said last time after we read the back, oh, we're looking forward to reading this, and not yeah. that you shouldn't be looking forward to reading this. I think I even said, this sounds like fun. Yes, <laughs> you did. That's right, because that <laughs> echoed in my head as I was yeah. reading it going, oh my God, this is really full on and challenging. Yeah. I don't think that the blurb on the back of the book um, does is a good representation of what's involved in this book because there are lots of very dark oh, and yeah. disturbing themes in yes, here. That's right. Um, there's themes such as um, systematic um, oppression, drug and alcohol abuse, domestic violence, sexual abuse, colonization, the stolen generation, um, it's a really layered book thematically. Yes, that's right. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And how all of these, all of those things are all interconnected. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, like you say, the intergenerational trauma is really yeah. on display here. Yeah, I um, really felt that. Mm. Um, it gave a lot of, um, as a reader, um, you know, and... You know, we hear a little bit about this, you know, you hear the term interracial trauma and abuse. Um, and I've never, you know, I've never really looked at what does that actually mean and what does that look like? This book's a great book for opening your eyes to what that looks like. Yeah. Um, we should say this book is um, semi-autobiographical as well. So even though it's a work of fiction, um, it is based on real events. Um, the town and the names and the um, locations are all fictional, but everything. Um, she's got a little afterward in the book that says, um, "Virtually every incidence of violence in these pages has occurred within my extended family at least once." Uh, the very few exceptions are drawn either from historical record or from Aboriginal oral history. So, this is based on stuff that really happens yes yeah Jane and I both struggled initially to get into this book and I have a theory as to mm-hmm. why and it's got to do with what you just talked about sure I think for me um 
the first half to two thirds of the book is almost like a stream of consciousness um, recounting of family business. And I think without having that blurb that you just read, Jane, at the beginning to know um, who all the players were and what was going on, I often struggled to know who was who and what was (laughs) happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, um, yeah, that I struggled with that. And I also struggled with um, um, being ignorant of certain aspects of Australian mm-hmm. and indigenous slang. Yeah. Which is not to say the, um, the Aboriginal words that she wove into mm-hmm. this. I really liked how she did that. It yeah. felt very natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to understand, generally speaking, um, yeah. The, you what can infer meaning, yeah, yeah. from the yeah. content. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, there were certain things like even uh, at one point I said to Brett, my partner, I said, "I'm reading this part. What does this mean? Don't come the raw prawn with me, son." And <laughs> he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. That that means don't give me any of that." And I was like, "Really? I have never heard that before." <laughs> um, I would agree. I wrote a couple of those same points in my notes that um, there's a lot of characters to keep track of. Uh, it's one of those ones that I would have loved a little family map, but I don't think that that would have, like the family map you would have needed to keep track of all these characters and how they're connected would not fit on the page of the book. Right. It's very interconnected um, across generations and states and towns and also, like everyone's connected somehow. Um I really also like the Aboriginal words and languages woven through the story. I loved that. Mm. Um, and I wanted to mention ages ago when we read American Dirt, I don't know if you remember, I made the comment that I didn't like the way that um, the Spanish was always italicised and in bold, like it was really highlighted right now. This is this A is Spanish, Spanish word. word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was just in the flow of... The narrative and I loved that I thought that was really um really well done um and didn't seem as performative as it was in American Dirt that is exactly right that's exactly um why I feel like it yeah it just felt very natural and some people I don't know if you read any um of the uh, um, Goodreads commentary on this some people had problems with the language like mm-hmm. the, um, the the bad language oh right um which didn't bother me at all I I feel like no. bad language doesn't bother me if it fits in yeah. with the characters and it all felt very natural it all yeah. felt very real yeah uh, um, bad language never bothers me in books because generally speaking it is used within the context of the character or the storyline or to emphasize a you know a, um, an environment that somebody's living in. That's right. Yeah, it doesn't bother me it, at all. Yeah, I mean, if it were, if it was gratuitous, or like you say, if yeah. it d- felt performative, then mm. that would be different. But it certainly didn't. These characters all felt very real. Yeah, which I think is, you know, um, the, the the afterward that she put that she that you um, alluded to um, makes total sense because it seems as though she's writing the people from her life and that's why they all seem very real. Yeah. Um, Even though, and it's interesting, you talked about how, um, you know, you needed some clarification on some of the Australian slang and and things like that. Um, I was, I'm interested to see what you think because even though I'm a white Australian, I grew up in the country and this town is 
so recognisable and so unmistakably Aussie. Right. Um, you can feel the heat and you can feel the flies and you can feel the dirt um, and even things like this, the the quietness and the silence of a of a main street in a town in a country town on mm. a Saturday afternoon <laughs> where everything's closed at 12 from 12 o'clock and you know I can I really got a good sense of that and it really um rang true yes yeah, yeah I would agree yeah it did it I could yeah I felt myself in that setting yeah yeah absolutely and when she um talked about the scene where they come to um, perform the ceremony for Grandpa Joe's. Is that right? Grandpa Joe's? No, no. For That's, Pops. Yeah. For Pops um, when Pop has died. And um, they come across the fence that has been mm. erected by Jim Buckley um, and the property development. Yeah. And they have to bust through it. And uh, yeah, I, I, it was very vivid, that scene where, I, you know, with the water on the one side and yeah. the, you know, the, the, the silence and the crows all yeah. looking down and all yeah. of that was yeah, I've got very, a very vivid. I've got a very um, vivid image as well in my head of what their house looks like, what mm-hmm. the town looks like, where they go running, the gym, the pub, the Avers Island, all of it's very... Um, very visual. It's a yeah. you know, beautifully visual book. This is another one where I felt like a movie. It, I would love oh, to see the, the movie of this. Yeah, absolutely. This is another sort of, yeah, mini series, six, you know, episodes across the story. It'd be great. Right. Really good. Right. Um, people talk about reading fiction in particular um, to develop a sense of, like, it's good for developing empathy, particularly for children to start learning those those skills. Um, gain an understanding of other people's lives um, and to learn. I thought this was a really good example of a book that taught me something mm-hmm. and I learnt from. Um, I feel like if you read this book, you will gain something. Yeah, and I think that it's clear that that's why this has won so many awards Yeah, um, and particularly the Miles Franklin is, is exactly that. Mm. It really depicts, as we've talked about, the ramifications of the picking apart of yeah. people's families. I mean, yeah. that's that's your foundation. And when, you know, through systemic, well, you, we've talked in the past mm. about how it's people who thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, but when you've, you pick apart their families and disperse them and subject them to violence, yeah. how that just permeates into their being and then yeah. therefore into their family yeah. and it then changes it changes who people were meant to be yeah and they're changed for it and then their families are changed from it forever right um you can feel the anger and the rage leaping off of the pages of this book um the rage of not again of not just the systematic oppression the decades of trauma um but also the additional and I don't think this is something that's covered particularly well in the media, but the additional oppression that Aboriginal women face day to day, still, all the time now. Um, and this is a really, um, this book describes in fiction why intersectional feminism is so important. And it's not just about white women and white women's needs, but it's about what's happening to women of colour and their rights and their um, their oppression is still happening now in a way that 
you know, is just horrible. Yeah, um, I guess the character of Martina Rossi, who mm. we find out um, eventually is the disappeared Donna, um, is, a, is a really good indication of that because she has her own, um, I feel like even self-imposed hatred of where she's come from yeah. and 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 her um and and being a person of color to the point where she presents herself mm. as um as a white person in yeah. order to be able to um succeed yeah um yeah what did you think of that moment when because at the beginning of the book um it's all from carrie's point of view yeah. with these little snippets of martina rossi and i found that really confusing i was like who yeah. is this woman and why are we just hearing from her a tiny bit yeah and not even regularly just no sporadically sporadically yeah and you know i'm so used to books where a young um woman has gone missing mm. that i was totally unprepared for the fact that <laughs> she was still around yeah and initially i i sort of balked against that i felt like that's ridiculous as if she would just be gone and then be able to come back but the mm. way she described it i was like no i can totally see how yeah. that would happen yeah um i didn't i mean you know i'm a terrible one for this thing i never see <laughs> the things coming <laughs> So I was shocked because I never <laughs> just I just read along and then the surprises hit me always. Right. <laughs> I never guess the things. Um so no, I didn't guess and I liked that. I wanted some resolution for that. And I also wanted to know who the hell is Martina and why is she what she got to do with anything? And then it obviously becomes clear she's got everything to do with everything. Yeah. Um yeah, that I I liked that. I mean, there is some implausibility from a, um, what's the word, from an events, you know, it, this is all squish. I mean, it's a piece of fiction. So, of course, you know, this is um, a fast-paced book with lots of changes and lots of revelations through the whole book. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, you know, of course, it's slightly implausible that a stranger comes to a small town and embeds herself in the real estate agency without everybody talking about her and who she mm. is and word not getting around the town that there's this new Sheila on <laughs> on the staying at the hotel you know <laughs> um but I I don't know I liked it, it was yeah. exciting yeah it was exciting uh, like, like I said Jane and I initially struggled but once I got about two-thirds of the way in I was like I, then I couldn't put it down Same. Yeah. yeah I was in this yes. book I was in it and all about it the whole time I was reading it um, I really felt captured by the author's descriptions of the Salter's connection to country. I really liked yes. that. And oh, I, I loved, loved that too. I loved the way she described um, how everything's connected, earth, country, animals, trees, water and people and how it's all interconnected. I just, you know, that's lovely. I totally agree and I feel like I want more of that now. Yeah. Like I really... Uh, yeah, I feel like I got a taste for understanding mm. that. It really makes sense to me and, yeah. It I, made I sense in the book too, didn't mm, it? And yeah. even um, some things that would normally, f you might think are a little odd, like the bull shark having um, conversations. a conversation and, you know, the crows and the kookaburras and um, them having their own agency about what they want from us or from or what they um, – 
deserve, I guess, in the cycle of life. Um, added a little bit of magic to the book, and I really liked that. Yeah, I was. I found that uh, a bit. I don't know if jarring is the word when suddenly the shark you're hearing from the shark's point of view. Um, yeah. Um, but um, my partner said to me, "Well, that's part of the Aboriginal yeah. dreaming." Yeah. Um, which I know nothing about. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's something else I need to learn, I think. Yeah, dream stuff stories, are, I love, love, love those as a kid. And I mm. liked being able to have a sense of that as an adult, reading an adult book. Yeah, it's right. really nice. I don't want to um, make it sound like this book is all fun and frivolity because it's not at all. Mm. Um, I did laugh quite a number of, like, laugh out loud a number of times in this book. Right. Um, but there are some horrible, heavy themes in this book and it was really the worst ones came towards the end about the sexual abuse of Donna by her grandfather and that was really hard to read and um, it made me feel a lot of anger and sorrow and pain for families like this that have got this you know sitting under the surface Um, yeah how did you find those yes same very challenging and um what did you think about ken i i I got the impression before the reveal that ken knew more than he was letting on initially Yeah. yeah but i couldn't quite understand if he knew about it because he witnessed it or because he suffered as well yeah and that didn't wasn't um totally clear but Mm. he you know it came out that he knew somehow yeah um i i mean most of the characters in this book are likable but also flawed yeah yeah flawed exactly um and ken is deeply flawed and i um i struggled to feel any empathy towards him until that section when black superman described as a three-year-old seeing ken being just beaten senseless by his grandfather and that really um was upsetting yeah it's very visual and you feel something for these characters because this you know that's not described till quite late in the book and you feel something for these people and it was just heartbreaking so i did i struggled to feel empathy for ken and found him under unredeeming completely the whole way through the book um until that moment and then that's that whole you know abuse changes people and it turns them into something that they wouldn't have been otherwise yeah it's that saying hurt people hurt people right yeah 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 um yeah it was challenging in in that regard to find empathy for him Mm. what about um when you discover that pop who was an abuser um was also abused as a as a teenager um did you feel empathy towards him did you feel like intergenerational violence and abuse can be excused well certainly not excused but you understand it i mean Mm. you understand from the beginning the the very first thing that you know is owen addison who is pop is abused yeah um and and that his family has been um plucked apart and that he's been forced into this life of boxing and then um, even has that taken away from him. Um, 
Yeah, so certainly not an excuse, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot to learn from this about how we treat the people who commit these sorts of crimes Mm. then. What do we... What do we do? Oh, something else that I found um, enlightening in that way was the point where um, they were discussing Black Superman's um, uh, foster kids who he's taken on and the one Brandon has been um, hurting animals. Mm, Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the family is like, you know, uh, he he's he's bad news. He's hurting yeah. animals. Obviously, he's bad news. He needs a belting. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Uncle Richard is the one who points out. Well, but he's he's ours. He's yeah. our family, and I feel like that not just within families but within cultures. When mm. somebody in a in the culture commits a crime, we want to pluck that person out and point at them and yeah. say that person needs um, punishment. Yeah, but shouldn't we start to look at ourselves as a culture and a society and say, yes, but w- this person has grown up in and among yeah. us. How could he not be like That's this? That's right. Yeah. What's happened to him? What yeah. can we do yeah. to prevent further um, suffering by people who've grown mm. up in, in, in horrible, abusive conditions? Yeah, and I think um, the resolution, which, I mean, nothing's completely resolved it is a um and i'm putting it in air it's a happy-ish ending yeah um if you can call it that but um the resolution particularly with kenny and making inroads to um stopping the cycle of abuses is a cultural um resolution it's uncle richard that takes them um out bush and they you know talk about whatever they they talk about um to move the family forward yeah and if um it was purely relied on you know the white way of dealing with some of the stuff that kenny had done it'd be he'd be in jail he'd be you know god knows what would happen to them in jail then this you know further traumatizing a traumatic situation yeah traditional white ways of dealing with crime and punishment um, are clearly not always successful or rarely successful, I could even, you know, hypothesise. Yeah. Um, So I liked that um, Uncle Richard came Mm. in and he helped the family take the next step. Uncle Richard was the voice of reason. He was really... Yeah, he was the elder and Mm. he's, you know, the wise. Wise. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of it, I think, starts from acknowledgement, mm. acknowledgement of the person um, that, you know, s- within themselves even, Ken had to acknowledge that, you know, he knew that something either had happened to him or he witnessed something yeah. happen. And then and then there needs to be acknowledgement from the family that we believe you, we, yeah. you know, we hear you. Yeah. Um, and then it just needs to go out from there, I think. Yeah. There's yeah. so much um, sadness throughout this story and so much trauma, you know, not to harp on about the word trauma, but it it is what it is. Um, And you can feel that. You can feel the anger on the pages and you can feel the unfairness and the the rage. Yeah, one of the most sad parts for me was... When the the horrible mayor has um, their dog killed, oh, I know, and the effect that it has on Donnie, yeah. who is Ken's son, 
who hasn't got a lot of love from his dad, yeah. obviously, as we've said, who's just so traumatized and and um, angry. And obviously he's, you know, uh, um, bonded with this dog yeah. and then suddenly this dog is shot by yeah. the mayor and it was just, oh. It's horrible. Oh, horrible. What a hateful person, Mayor Buckley. Yeah, he's the really he's the irredeemable real, yeah. character in all of this. Yeah. I mean, you get nothing of him. Um, in it's a, yeah, it's a presence, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it's an oppressive presence throughout the, mm-hmm. the book and much of the storylines involve his weight somehow. Threat around. Yeah. 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 So did you like it? Um, I struggled... I str- I liked I really loved parts of it and mm-hmm. I struggled with other parts of it. Like I say, um the the beginning of it I feel like was a bit all over the place and I could have stood with it being tightened up a little bit. Yeah. Um but I think it redeemed itself at the end and yeah. when the plot really picked up and it yeah. um started really firing. Ugh, what I hate even almost to mention it because I feel like I'm always going on about the POV, but the POV was very challenging towards the end. Um, it did flip around mm. between Bull Shark and Ken, and then yeah, it did. Yeah, but uh, that didn't bother me as much as it has in other books for some reason. Mm. I think you, I just lent into this is it, the style, the way it is. and this yeah. is. Um, but I didn't mind that at all. So what did you think? I really enjoyed it. I loved um, I loved the language. I loved the visualness of the book. I mm. love a book where I can really – I'm there mm. and I'm in that place. And and I love also love a book where I um, learn something. Mm. Um, and I took something from this book and this is a book that's going to stick with me, I think. Um so I'd encourage lots of people to have a go over. There's it. definitely lots to learn from this book. Yeah. Yeah. Get on it. Too mm. much lip. Melissa Lukashenko. Yay. Well, this is where we usually talk about <laughs> what other books we've read this month. <laughs> and we've read zero other books. Jane and I have not had a good reading month. I mean, they can't all be good reading months. Sometimes you read five and sometimes you read none. Hey. But what we do have to talk about is a bit of literary news. Yes. Of course, and a bit of what's coming soon. Yes. Um, so, um, Tarjun Winch won the Miles Franklin Award for the Yield for this year. So I found this article from the Sydney Morning Herald from a couple of weeks ago about um, Tara June Winch winning the Miles Franklin for this year. And of course, as we said, um, Melissa Lukashenko won it for last year. Mm-hmm. And it says, about a year ago, Tara June Winch was in tears. She bumped into her friend Melissa Lukashenko at the State Library in Sydney and told her she was there to see her win the Miles Franklin Award. She was making a joke, but cried minutes later when Lukashenko did win. Oh, yeah. that's so, nice. Yeah. What a nice little circle back. Sli- that's yeah. lovely. Because then, of course, this year she wins it. So I'm halfway through listening to that on Libby, an, an audiobook. So hopefully I can share more about that. Um, right in a later podcast episode. Um, I also thought I'd mention that Maybe the Horse Will Talk, which is also an Aussie book by Elliot Perlman, has been picked up by Paramount Mm -hmm. um, to be made into a TV series. And apparently it sort of fits in with the whole Me Too movement. Um, It's about a a junior lawyer who's defending a big-time client from sexual harassment suits. 
somehow they're going to make that into a comedy drama. He feels it's um, it's going to be beneficial to sort of attack it from a comedy perspective. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that will... That's been a real slow burn, that mm. book. I got a proof copy of that in oh, at a conference in 2018. Oh, that I long reckon. ago. I don't think it was last year. It might have been the year before. Well, maybe it was last year. Anyway, it's been hanging around mm. and, yeah, I hate the cover. Yeah, but. Jim and I don't like the cover. And even the <laughs> the title, Maybe the Horse Will Talk. Yeah. It's, and, and the cover's got people with horse heads on it. <laughs> it's, it's such an odd-looking book, yeah. But that's great. That's exciting. Yeah, um, for Aussie news. And then here's some more American news. Did you like Little House on the Prairie? Did you read Little no. House on the Prairie? Is it, oh, no. I loved the books and I loved... I didn't even know they were books. I thought it was only a TV. <gasps> okay, maybe it's an American show. thing. Yeah. No, I loved the books as a little girl. And um, what was the big sister? Mary? Yeah, Mary. So annoying. She, yeah, but then she um, goes blind. I know, and, and then the glasses. There's the blind school. And oh, I thought she oh. got glasses yeah, in yeah. the... She yeah she gets glasses initially when she's losing her sight oh. but then she oh, then completely she, oh, loses her sight. Oh. Have you never seen the TV no. show at all? Oh, I've seen some all of right. it. Oh yeah, it's very <laughs> dramatic. Anyway, I loved it. I loved it. And um, they're making a documentary about Laura Ingalls Wilder, who is the oh. author of um, of Little House on the Prairie. That's coming out in December. And Melissa Gilbert, who played Laura mm-hmm. in the TV series, is going to be involved in that. So. I'm definitely going to be looking Exciting for that. Exciting for you. I know. <laughs> People used to tell me I look like Laura when I really? was little. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm not flattered by at all because she's a weird looking kid. But anyway. No, she's not. I mean, I could see maybe the freckles. It's the freckles, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's the freckles. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about, I don't think you ever read this, but I loved the book You by Carolyn Kepnes, oh. which was um, then uh, made into the Netflix series. Yes, I've only seen the series. Okay. Yeah. I loved the first book. I don't know if I read the second book. Anyway, if you are a fan, Carolyn Kepnes tweeted that she has finished the third book about oh. um, her character, Joe. So Ooh, um, she exciting. said it's coming soon-ish, whatever that means. Um, means anything these days, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's... it's been done so great yeah you've got that to look forward to um oh now jane and i were jane and i are not um fans of this but twilight for twilight what are they called twihards i think so (laughs) i think twihards are now in their late 20s and 30s right (laughs) right well you've got something to look forward to because the prequel to the twilight series which is called midnight sun Mm -hmm. by um stephanie meyer is going to be hitting the bookshelves in a couple of days yeah august 5th yep so there you go we've got it circled on our calendar you can go straight (laughs) out and get it they're calling it a companion novel yes and it's from From edward's Edward's point of view view. that's right long awaited yes apparently yep so and the good news is that's going to be our book next month no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> i did suggest it to you i did say we don't you always did. have to read something totally <laughs> literary and we might gain a whole new audience yeah i mean there's there is no judgment here you like what you like just yeah. read your books <laughs> we're we're not about judgment well we are a little bit but <laughs> 
but yeah. And of course, um, I'm not going to bang on too much about this because mm-hmm. I've been banging on about it for a couple of months, I feel like. But Simon & Schuster um, has now published the Mary Trump book about Donald Trump and his um, formative years and his family, his, particularly his father and the abuse he suffered from his father. Um, and the Simon & Schuster were very happy with the first few days of sales. It sold almost a million copies in the first day, they said. So that's out there. And she's been really doing the rounds, Mary yeah. Trump, on yeah. the news and talk programs yeah. and stuff like that, saying yeah. don't vote for him. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that's my news, Jane. What do you have for us? I've got a couple of um, interesting things coming out this month. The Girl in the Mirror is coming out. Um, That's an Alan and Unwin book. This is by Roz Carlyle. Um, I think in the same vein as The Woman in the Window, Girl on the Train, Mm. all of that stuff. Um, Beautiful twin sisters Iris and Summer are startlingly alike and but beyond what the eye can see lies a darkness that sets them apart. Cynical and insecure, Iris has been envious of open-hearted summer. Called to help sail the family yacht, Iris nurtures her own secret hopes about what might happen, but when she finds herself alone in the Indian Ocean, everything changes. Edge of Your Seat debut thriller from a New Zealand author, author Ros Carlyle. Um, I'm seeing this around the place. I think those of you who love those sorts of girl-on-the-train type books, thriller. <coughs> this books, might yeah. be for you. Um this is one that I picked purely because I love the cover, um, <laughs> but then I also liked the sound of it. It's called Nothing Can Hurt You by Nicola May Goldberg. Bo- oh, Goldberg. I have that at home. Oh, do you? Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's a Bloomsbury book, comes out August 4. They're saying it's Virgin Suicides meets Little Fires Everywhere. You loved Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah, that's the, that's part of the reason why yeah, I took it. And I loved mm-hmm. Virgin Suicides by Jeffrey Eugenides. Uh, Eugenides, Eugenides yeah. Um, so that appeals to me. Inspired by a true story, haunting novel pieces together fragments of a story to explore the aftermath of a college student's death. A propulsive, taut tale of voyeurism and obsession. Nothing Can Hurt You examines, examines gendered violence in an unforgettable course of dis, disparate voices. Oh, so much to read. I know. I, mean, I know, right? That sounds so good. Doesn't it? And it's an intriguing cover. That's on my list of books to read. You've already got it, so I'll wait to see what you think. Yeah. Um, Paul's already mentioned Midnight Sun, Stephanie Meyer, August 5. Get down to Big W, <laughs> get your book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it's a little too late. It's a long time since Twilight was published. I, yeah. I'm, I'll be interested to see who reads it. Yeah, I did see some... some um, booksellers sort of questioning whether it was going to do anything yeah um yeah one actually said i'm not expecting midnight sun to reach the same heights as the earlier books in the series though i did increase my initial order as i heard the internet buzz intensify that was mm. a bookshop um kinokuniya in sydney well it's i read the twilight books when they first came out that was what 2005 seven mm. eight sure ish right <laughs> Um, and Midnight Sun, and I think it was called that, that, she released this, I think, on her website as, like, a really long, like, she released, I don't know, a long um, 
little novella almost of this. So she's stretched that out and turned it into a full book. Well, what I've got here says that she abandoned writing the prequel after a rough draft of it was leaked online in 2008. Yeah, yeah so that's, maybe that's what I read. Mm, yep, and yeah, she was apparently not happy about it because she said it was a huge violation of my rights as an author, not to mention me as a human being. Mm, so Interesting. Mm. Now, this may surprise you, but I'm really into the royal family. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I – did I know that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, big news from a royal perspective is a book called Finding Freedom is coming out this month, August 12th. It's a HarperCollins uh, book. This is about Harry and Meghan um, – leaving the royal family, essentially. For the very first time, Finding Freedom goes beyond the headlines to reveal unknown details of Harry and Meghan's life together, dispelling the many, the many rumours and misconceptions that plague the couple on both sides of the pond. As members of the select group of reporters that cover the British royal family and their engagements, Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand have witnessed the young couple's lives as few outsiders can. So that's not out yet, but I've seen, uh, obviously, um, reader copies have gone around to whoever, and so little snippets are starting to come out, you know, drama, you know, Megan accused of um, kicking up a stink because she didn't get to choose from all the tiaras, which <laughs> tiara she could wear at the wedding, and then um, it's also about, um, they call it the firm. The firm is the queen's kind of inner circle and rules the roost. The firm releasing details um, too early about them leaving the royal family, mm. which is why it all could have kind of came out really suddenly. Right. It sounds gossipy and salacious, but I don't know that it's as gossipy and salacious as what this normal sort of royal books are. Oh, really? If that makes sense. It sounds a bit more balanced. Yeah. And, if, you know, there's plus pros and cons on both sides of the um, argument. Who Has this been released with the royal family's no, blessing or with I don't Harry think and so. Meghan's? With neither. Right. right. So, um, yeah, interesting. Mm. So a lot of royal gossip blogs have been releasing bits and pieces from the book. Right. So if you're into that sort of thing. No, I don't know. It, you know. I don't like the treatment of Megan and I don't like how they mm. pit her and Kate against each other. And oh, totally. Uh, I mean, I don't know too much about it, but it just seems horrible. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The whole thing seems horrible. Yeah. Who would want to be? Yeah, yeah, that's right. No yeah. wonder they moved away and said, we don't want to be a part of this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is it time for it's us time. to announce? It's time. Our Let's do it. Next book. So um, you may have heard that the long list for the Booker Prize was announced the other day. We put it up on our socials. Um, and so Jane and I thought that we might choose something from that. And we did. But then we found out that the publication date was pushed on the one we chose. So we are going to save that one for next month. Um, and we decided then to choose something from the International Booker Prize shortlist because the shortlist is already up and the winner of that one is going to be announced this month. So um, we've chosen to read The Memory Police by Yoko Ogawa. And I've got a little blurb about it here to read to you. <clears throat> so, Hat, Ribbon, Bird, Rose. To the people on the island, a disappeared thing no longer has any meaning. It could be burned in the garden, 
thrown in the river, or handed over to the memory police. Soon enough, the island forgets it ever existed. When a young novelist discovers that her editor is in danger of being taken away by the memory police, she desperately wants to save him. For some reason, he doesn't forget, and it becomes increasingly difficult for him to hide his memories. Who knows what will vanish next? The Memory Police is a beautiful, haunting, and provocative fable about the power of memory and the trauma of loss from one of Japan's greatest writers. Sounds really interesting and intriguing, doesn't it? Yeah, almost kind of brave new worldy or something. I don't know. I've tried to read Japanese authors in the past, and I often struggle. Like, I've tried um, Murakami and um, the... The convenience store woman recently oh, yeah. was one, and I often, yeah, struggle. So, anyway, it'll be interesting to yeah. see how we go with this one. Yeah, good luck. Um, we will have copies in the system, put them on hold, and we'll see you next month. Let's see you then. Thanks, Paula. Bye. Um, I didn't know. I asked my partner. I said, "Can bull sharks go in rivers? Can they?" And he goes, "Like, yeah, like everyone knows that." I didn't know that. <laughs> so, all natural bodies of water are now off, <laughs> off of my swimming list. <laughs> <laughs> salt water, salt water. What about fresh water? Well, this was in a river. That's fresh. But I water. thought it was salt. When it, no, oh, we got to cut this part <laughs> out because I sound really stupid right now. But I thought that like, well, it I changes were, to, it, to fresh water, right? Somewhere, but I don't think they were that close to the coast, were they? Uh, I don't know. I don't understand how that works because it's same with saltwater crocodiles, right? Yeah, like, they can some be are fresh and some are saltwater. Yeah, but I think they can go in both. <sighs> <laughs> Look. Just don't go swimming okay. anywhere. <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> I mean, I moved to this country to <laughs> go in the water and enjoy the beach, but... We'll clarify those facts. <laughs> Slash cut that whole bit <laughs> out. <laughs> um.